With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I was trying to get it was uh, so the, uh, the revealing to bliss the will is that the first transgression or uh, in relationship to intergalactical traveling violation in violation of that if you could put the two together you know if I if you could uh, if I wanted to, I would have you. intergalactical law does not have anything to do with laws govern the planet Earth once man was on the planet Earth then laws were set up for him here according to what his nature had regressed to while he was in an etheric state, correct, as a spiritual being, he was judged by galactical laws, the laws that the angels are judged by. You follow what I'm saying? Angelic beings. That's why the conversation came up. Well, is the laws of the, the Quran has it, is the laws of the earth going to be the same as the laws here, which means are you going to create another Michael or is he an Iblis? That was what the angels were asking. 
when they say, will you create one who will cause mischief and shed blood? In earth, they were really saying, is the laws that govern earth the same as the laws that govern heaven? And is this Adam another Iblis that's going to cause trouble? And Allah says he knows what they know not. That's not their business to understand the, the laws of earth as opposed to galactical law. You follow? So angels are governed by different laws than men are. So you're saying, uh, um, uh, are you saying that they're both the same? Uh, revealing of the will was, is the same as violating the laws in, in that the next realm or the spiritual realm of Malakut? Yes. Uh, revealing the law of the nature of man to the Malaika, the angels in Malakut, violated galactical law. It did not violate earth law. The results of it was sentenced you, your woman, and this devil to earth, and you all will be each other's, uh, what do you call it, rivals, until the last day, because you've done it. I see. Uh, uh, is it correct that uh, human beings or a man, not mankind, are, are uh, baby angelic beings who haven't... Yes. Have to, have you, to. But see, it's, it's a spiral in and out process. You were a ruhr when you was in Malakut as Adam. He was created a ruhr. Then he was at the point of transition, he becomes a nasun. And then when he becomes physically, becomes jesita. When you take the ruh and the jesita, the body, you get a nasa, a person. That's why you say nefsi, myself. You follow what I'm trying to say? Right. The nefsi is merely the spirit. Now, the cherubim, the bad, the fallen angels, have just jesit and nefs. They do not have a ruha. A ruha is meant Allah Ta'ala. As you read in the Quran many places, he said, I sent my spirit into Jesus. I sent down the Holy Quran in Layla Fuqadri, wa ruha, and my soul was there. You follow? So there's, there's a definite difference. Are you saying that the angelic beings do not have uh, the... The, uh... the body. They don't have the jessin. And when they become incarnated, in order for you to see them in an etheric form, they must become, a lack of a better word, is a self. And that self in Arabic is nefsa. You follow what I'm saying? Right. So as they leave the stage of ruh, they come into, as they start to personify, the first appearance is the crystallization process, which gives an etheric body, or what people call the presence of a, a misty or exoplasma or a spirit-like form. And then the next stage, if they continue to slow up in vibration, because it's about vibration, they begin to slow up in vibration, then they start to take on the forms of the, the magnetic currents that surround the Earth's atmosphere. And finally, they become a physical body, which is governed by a sympathetic nerve system, which is in tune with the magnetic force field that surrounds the planet. You follow? So man is basically in tune with magnetism. That's, that's what keeps his body, his physical composition, which in the Quran is referred to as Jesus, keeps it together. And if you were to release the magnets in this, in this planet, all the elements would explode back all, all the molecules and atoms will, will go back and they will start to reduce themselves and start to vibrate at a more rapid pace. And then man would transform from a physical being into a spiritual being, which would just be the step, the second step. You follow? And if man continues to raise into the bosom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he becomes a soul. Once he becomes a soul, he is in the presence of lahut, in the bosom of Allah. But he has to go from lahut, where aruhu dwells, to they call Nessa, which is Malakut, and then down to the physical being, Jesset, which is where 
nefet is uh, physical. Uh, so with where uh, the angelic beings have already split, and uh, I'm trying to. Uh, yes, the angelic beings uh, split like you did, but this degree, what you finally got into the earth, you had a conscious and an unconscious, which you refer to as a voluntary and an involuntary system, which would break you down if you was a 360-degree being to a what? 180-degree being. 180 degrees of man's actions activated by his brain are voluntary, and 180 degrees of man's actions by his brain are involuntary functions. If you understand what I mean? Right. All right? So if you could split these two down, when you voluntarily do things, that you know are bad for you, for instance, to smoke a cigarette, which is really bad for the physical body. So you have to premeditate the dangers and then set out to do it. You see that? That is executing a form of will. And that will, because it's the, uh, deplementary to the physical composition, which is merely a temple for the, for the soul, is an evil act. It manifests as an evil part of will. On the other hand, when you decide to become a vegetarian and to stop drinking alcohol beverages and smoking cigarettes and taking in any kind of drug, you use another side of your voluntary functions, you follow, which leads into a healthier involuntary participation. I don't know if I'm losing you. I'm trying not to. No, you, you, uh, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. that would be the good side of things. So the angelic beings are your voluntary and involuntary systems working. The involuntary part are those who are called seraphim, who work by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, fakat, only. And then your voluntary functions that you control have incarnated as what is referred to as cherubim or cherubims. Wicked beings, which we refer to as jinn in the Quran or the plural for shaitan, and they manifest things on their doing it according to their own will. You see what I'm saying? Now, man has within him both of these attributes one, to be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and next, to make decisions not to be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You follow? So that, that would be the, the uh, will within us. That is the will within you, the jihad, the Quran refers to as the struggle. Okay. Um, I'd like to, um, the, the day of standing, I know you uh, uh, explained it before, but I'm a little confused with it as Yamu Qiyam, Yamu Deen. Yamu Akhri. Yamu Akhri. Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. As far as uh, the, the physical, because I, I believe you're saying that the, the the physical body is the darkness, and the soul within us is the light, or the light source that's within us, and it's all and most it's in conflict with each other. So I like to, you know, if how do we get through these these stages to, you know, what do they mean in relationship to the to the earth and the next plane of existence or malikut? All right, throughout the Quran, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala refers to, uses the word zulimat applied to darkness, and then he uses a nor, which is applied to light. All right? Now, when we speak, to understand the first question, when we speak of Yawm al-Din, Yawm al-Qiyamah, or Yawm al-Akhri, we have to put them in order. Though Yawm al-Din appears first in the Quran, because the Quran has now been set in a way where Surah Al-Fatiha, the opening is now first. And they tell us this, like this, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahmani Ar-Rahim. Now it says, 
مالك يوم الدين مالك يوم الدين this مالك يوم الدين is directly associated with سرط الكافرون where Rasulullah Muhammad alayhi salatu wasalama is being questioned about what he serves and he ends up by saying lakum dinukum waliyadeen to you will be your judgment and me will be mine here it tells us who will rule that judgment Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who are maliki yawmiddin he is the ruler of that specific day now that word deen has the word decisions in it dun or dana has the word to turn around to, to, alright why do they call it yawmiddin because on this specific point in time all a man's deeds and actions according to his voluntary and involuntary actions not just functions you see because he has voluntary and involuntary actions to relate to the way he conducts himself on the planet earth will be his records will be presented when will this be this will be the yama the word kiyama kum means stand up or rise up straight yama kiyama is the day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to when all beings will raise be they in the grave or wherever they will all raise you follow and then once man has been risen in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa malaikatuhu and all of his angels and all of the records of man is brought forth then yawmiddin starts which is all in the same period of time in dimensions then man will start to be the records of his deeds will be passed to him either from Ilyun, which is a uh, certain abode where angels keep records in the right hand of man or from Sijin from another record where angels keep the records of jinns and wicked people from Sijin in his left hand man will be presented with all of his actions and, and deeds but be mainly judged by his intentions with those actions and deeds, okay? once this is presented to man man will be stripped of all of his desires and what I said because Allah Ta'ala has a certain section in the Quran called Surah Al-Asr where he addresses this one subject he says Wal-Asr and most people have mis- mistranslated that to mean by the time when in reality it really means Asir Asr means to squeeze something that word if you do a research on it is when man's soul shall be separated from his body Allah Ta'ala also used the word farasha a day in the Quran farasha where like farasha is what you call a bed but it means to unfold because Rasulullah didn't sleep in a bed he slept on a mat that he would unroll unfold and like a butterfly unfolds its wings when man is unfolded and the real him is revealed well this is what happens on Yawmiddin when all of the superficial persons that you create are stripped away and you're standing there sun-dried body like a like scattered moth removed of all the ego and the pride and I know and I think and I I just want to explain myself a lot I want to make things clear so you'll understand all of this is gone and once those decisions are made then comes in Yaman Akhri Yaman Akhri is necessary to determine who will be a part of the second death what's meant by the second death is each Muslim dies then when Yaman Qiyamah comes he's raised and then when Yamadeen comes, he's judged. Those who receive uh, Adam's weight of good because they were obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they go into a place called Jannah where they shall reside Khalidunah. 
eternally. There is no longer no death or suffering or pain or crying. Eternal paradise. Those that have not accepted Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's laws while on the planet Earth go into eternal damnation, which is considered the second death in the scriptures. You follow that? Right. So you're saying that Yamu Kiyama is first, then Yamudin. Yamu Kiyama, then Yamudin, and then Yamud Uh So in this period right now, this is Yamu Kiyama right now? Well, Yamu Kiyama, now this is very interesting to understand. Rasulullah Muhammad, alayhi salatu wasalam, says that sleep is the sister to death. This is in his own faith. What did he mean by that? That people will raise and die the same way people fall asleep and awake in the morning. How? If three men are in a room at 12 o'clock at night watching a TV, correct? Right. And at 1 o'clock, the first man falls asleep. The other two men who are awoke are watching his body while it sleeps there in the chair. But they continue to watch television, but he exists in their presence, okay? Yeah. Yet to him, he immediately wakes up. He doesn't, he doesn't see himself through that period of time. He wakes up immediately. It's morning for him. Now, if those three men fall asleep at one, two, and three, which is an hour apart each, when the last man falls asleep, it appears to all of them that they all wake up at the same time. You understand what I'm saying? Right. And they don't really feel a difference in the space that they were sleeping. You see? Right. Or, I, mean, I mean, if something wakes them up, if there's a trumpet that's going to be sounded and they, or a trumpet blast, then they all wake up at the same time and they won't feel a difference. This is how death is. When human beings die, as they die, they go into a state of slumber and then we, we reawaken in the domain of Allah Ta'ala and their judgment immediately starts. Though it will not seem like each person is being judged as they die, because until you die, you won't see judgment. Just like you'd be the man that falls asleep at 3 o'clock, the last one to fall asleep. You understand? So, so Yama Kiyama is taking place right now for people who have already died. But to you it hasn't taken place. But the day you die... That is the day judgment they start, the day each individual dies. Go ahead. And then Yamudin takes place? Then Yamudin takes place for everybody present. And everybody will witness each other? Or everybody will witness that, that, each that. other's deeds. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And he's going to work by your intentions, more so by your actions on Yamudin. You follow what I'm saying? And uh, Yabu Akri is, is the... Uh, Final. Akhram is the last. Okay, when you will be either uh, placed with uh, the bosom of Allah, when you, like the Quran says, from Allah you come into Allah, you will return. Right. So either you return into the bosom of Allah and reside in his heart, which will be paradise to you eternally, right. or you will be given over to Iblis. Right. Okay, eternal damnation uh, and in a, in a state of bliss with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, is... Uh, in, in the bosom of Allah is considered Jannah. But eternal damnation has various degrees. That's why there's different names for hell in the Quran as well as in the scriptures. You follow? And each individual is going to give himself hell according to what he knows he did wrong. In other words, you will be the devil. The devil in you will be the devil that persecutes you in hell. And he's just called Malik in, in Islam because Allah is called Malik Yamadeen, the rule of the day of judgment. So they call the angel over hell Malik. The angel, you see Malik, because it's the Malik in you. 
the angels that you will make that decision of what should happen to you. Go ahead. So you're saying that you, you're not judging yourself, but uh, you, you, your fears, that's what will make up hell? As gross as you think hell is yourself, if you do wrong, that's where you put yourself. It's the way the mind works. You follow? Right, so it's not a place, it's just a state. Uh, it is a state. state. It is a state. a state. But everything is a state. Just that certain things personify more than others and appear to be more tangible. But everything is merely a state. All of this is, all of it's a big illusion. Uh, so how do we uh, get through these different uh, stages as far as... Uh, the first thing is taqwa. Right. Taqwa. Which means not fear like khaf. A lot of Muslims just take the word taqwa and say khaf and say it means fear. No, a man can pull a knife out and you have khaf, but that's not taqwa. Taqwa is to tremble at the mention of Allah. That's a fear out of reverence, not a fear out of regret or danger, but out of reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a loving fear the way a son would have to a, a devoted father who's strict on how he should live, though he wants to rebel. Meaning, if you have a son who wants to be a hip-hopper and his father's a very devout Muslim and the, the boy knows his father's a good Muslim, whenever his father comes around, the son has a fear, but it's a fear through reverence. That's our first step to getting back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a thing called taqwa. That we must have this kind of reverence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Without that there, we'll never make it. Uh, uh, what is uh, Darul Islam in, in, in reference to going back to uh, uh, as far as being in tune with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or, or to the bosom or in relationship to the days of standing? Uh, all right, let me, let me show you. First of all, we use the word Dar, all right? The root of the word Del Alif Ra means to make a circle or to t or be around, to turn around, all right? When we say Dar, therefore, as a noun, we're saying abode, a, a place, right. right? When we say Daru Islam, we're saying the, the abode of bliss, right. of tranquility, or of harmony, or of peace. There used to be a jamah, a community of Muslims in America, who used to call themselves Darul Islam. I used to tell them, you know, sheer out of politeness, but it didn't, it didn't come up that way, that you can't call yourself Darul Islam, because Darul Islam is, is paradise. It's another name for the ship, as the Honorable Elijah Muhammad would call it, the, the mothership or the plane, all right, the mother plane. And it's referred to in the Quran as your abode in heaven, Darul Islam, a state of tranquility and peace. This is the stage that all Muslims will go to before they go into Jannah. It's in a, uh, an abode, like a waiting place. You understand what I'm saying? Right. Now, the Holy Quran, I think it's chapter 6, 127, will explain it. It says, Lahum. Daru Islam and Rabbihim. For them, there is an abode of peace with and Rabbihim, their sustainer. Meaning, the, for these certain people, because Friday didn't tell you who the righteous are in this chapter, there is an abode of peace with their sustainer. When a Muslim says that he has Daru Islam on earth, he's saying that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because this and in Arabic, is in your possession. It has the, has the indication in Arabic of possession of something. And Allah. Allah has it with him. So when we say that we are Daru Islam on earth, 
what we're really saying is that Allah has come down to earth. You follow whether we realize it or not, because we're definitely not down to Islam on earth, because the earth is not a boat of peace. There's war, bloodshed, earthquakes, famine, disease, hate, racism, etc., 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 etc. So it's really blasphemous for us to make that statement. You follow? So that's like in reference uh, on heaven as it is on in heaven as it is in earth. In right, that's exactly because there's a mention in the book of El Injil of Isa Ed Maryam in the 21st chapter of a mothership coming out of heaven called the abode of peace. They use the same word Darul Islam, and in it they say are the angelic beings. They call the host that sit around the throne, which is the Malaik, and the righteous will be taken up into this ship. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad referred to that as the mother plane. Ezekiel spoke about seeing it, and Isa and Miriam's followers, John and them, spoke about it in the book of Al-Injil, in the book of Revelation 21. And Muslims recognize it, but they just haven't interpreted it because of a lack of knowledge of the Quran, because they lean more towards a hadith, to the hadith. The is to become wahtahu again, because Allah is wahtahu la sharika lahu. It was out of his compassion that he made a duplicate of himself. He said, what? Now, they also mention it, I think, in 10.25 of the Holy Quran. And in this actual quote, they literally tell you that Allah is the one that calls people Illadar Islam, right? And guides them. And that's, did I mention it? The place is 10.25, is it? You see that, what it says there? Wallah, yad'awna illa darul islam, wa yahdi min yasha'a illa sirat al-mustaqeem. Allah is the one that will call people to this abode, right? And he guides only those who are on the sirat al-mustaqeem. Now, who are those on the sirat al-mustaqeem? If we go back to surat al-fatiha and read it, we get ahdinaf. Notice the word Huda, again, guidance is there, right? Ahdina Surat al-Mustaqeem. So now, who is going to be the one to go to this Darul Islam? Well, the Qur'an says, Rasulullah Muhammad, when he received this Qur'an and Surah Al-Fatiha, he got it, it said to him, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'een. Now he starts to talk about it in the fifth verse. He says, اِهْدِنَ الصُّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ صُرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ He's now moving away from the, the present and future and speaking in the past. He says, guide us, اِهْدِنَ الصُّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ To the path of those who stand straight. Then to answer who they are, they say, صُرَاطَ الَّذِينَ Those who أَنْعَمْتَ They have your ni'mah. Because remember, when in the Surah Al-Qalam, when uh, people call Muhammad crazy, Allah said he has his nitma with him, his grace. He has, you have the grace of Allah. Without the grace, the world ends. Remember that. So it says, Surah Al-Ladina An'amta Alayhim. The path of those who have Allah's grace on them. Now, Rasulullah Muhammad is taking us out of the future and the present and taking us into the back, into the past where these people will be called. Why does this happen? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, don't say that my prophets are dead. I take them up to myself. Don't say that you killed Isa and Maryam. I've taken him up to myself. 
And that's what that other verse says, that Allah takes who he wants into Darul Islam and guides them, Ahdina, to the what? Surat al-Mustaqeem. So here he says, Ahdina Surat al-Mustaqeem, Surat al-Ladheena anamta alayhim. Then he tells you who not to be like. He says, Ghayril besides al-Makhdubi, which those who have the Ghadabah, a curse on them, Ghayril Makhdubi alayhim on them, which is also in the past tense, and not those who are in the nor the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is Ahlil Kitab Benai Israel and have went into Dala and had the covenant of Allah and broke the covenant and went so Ghadabah is a cursed seed which is the people of the uh, cursed seed of Ham which is Canaan which is the people who inherited the disease of leprosy that's a Ghadabah on them that's a curse of anger Allah put on them he said don't make me like them please and don't make me like the children, don't make my, my congregation to be like the children of Israel, to have all your blessings on them, and still they turn away. Believe it or not, this is what turned the children of Israel away. It's called the Talmud and the Mishnah. This is when they start reading the Torah, the five books of Nabi Musa, والسلام, and started reading the writings of scholars and learned men as to how to live and what to eat and what to wear, and not just how to wear the veil, but... I mean, not just to wear the veil, but how to wear the veil, and not what oil, not just smells sweet, but which scent Moses wore, which we today call it our hadith, you see? Ben Israel lost the covenant of Allah because they went away from kalam Allah. They went away from the words of Allah and went into kalam al-insan, into the words of men. When we read hadith, hadith is guidance for us to know how we were created. And you say, now, what is the relationship between uh, sunnah and created. The word sunnah, sunnah, comes from the word see noon. If you look in your holy Quran into creation of Adam, you'll find in the 15th chapter, 28th verse, when Allah creates Adam, he uses the word mesnun, for fashions. You see that? The root of that word mesnun is the word sun, or sun, to fashion. So we are supposed to find in Rasulullah Muhammad, who was created, Khalaq al-Azim, the best of examples. He was fashioned the best way for us, and thus we follow his way, not books written by men that dictate to us their opinions of how Rasulullah did something or didn't do something, which led us into another contradiction in the Quran where we broke up and became, as they say, literally, Ashia, different things. Ansari, Sunni, Bilalian, uh, Yani. Uh, Ahmadiyya, Wahhabi, Shia, we became all of these different things, and that was the work of shaitan to hadith, which is the word of men, and took us off of surat al-ladina, and amta alayhim. Took us off the path of those who had Allah's grace on them, which was his prophet, and we got onto the path of mortal men. So Darul Islam is the abode, of, which is called the crystal city, or the mother plain, as I said, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught, and it is the final abode for the resting soul. Oh, so it's just a, a waiting place, you're saying. Uh, it's like what uh, you call on earth a limbo. This is the stage before man goes to Jannah, and then from Jannah back to the actual back to the bosom of Allah. See, the whole adventure return is to become wahtahu again, because Allah is wahtahu la sharika lahu. It was out of his compassion that he made a duplicate of himself. You say, what? Allah made a duplicate of himself. Yes. There's a name of Allah and his name, and it's the 13th name of Allah, and it's Al-Musawir. Right? right? 
Most people translate al-musawir because the best English rendering of it is the fashioner. But the word musawir comes from the root word sad alif ra, sara. You follow? To become something. Now you get the word surah from that, which is the word for picture in English or image in English. And many people know that when it says in Genesis, Allah made man his own image, they're using this word fara. Because it doesn't mean literally that. It means that Allah became something. How did Allah become something? You see, Allah became something because Allah is the great ruh, the great soul, right? right. And he created the jessah, the jessah or jessah of the man, the body. And then whether the scriptures all confirm, whether they are St. John's chapter 1 or Genesis or the Quran, which they all confirm, that Allah blew nefakh, blew of nefsahu, of himself into man, man became a living ruh, soul, right? Allah blew into man of himself and man became a living soul. See the word became there? That's the word sara in Arabic. That's the word musawir of the names. And that's the word they use for Allah, pictures. <laughs> you see? Right. So when they say that Allah became something, Allah was as he shaped man, right, of the dust of the ground. And that was his physical. That's, that's that word you see there, masnun. Shaped him, made him from the, from the sasal and ham and the black mud, and made him a physical thing. And then he fara, he placed a portion of himself into man, and man through that became a living soul. You understand? That's why they say man is in the image of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the name al-Musawir, the 13th attribute of Allah, has its root in the word sara to become something. Allah thought itself into being. He merely said kun exists. Fia. Fiyah in Arabic means to be in something, like if I said, fi, fil kitab, inside this book. Fiyah, kun, fiyah, kun means to exist. He merely thinks a thing to exist, and into existence it came. Well, he did that with himself. And that thing that came into existence from him is El Insan. But he called you El Insan as a male. He called you Nisa as a woman, because they both have their root in the word nuns which means you would forget. The Arabic word for forget is the root of the word man inside. Because you, you will forget your divinity. So he had to recreate a divine being. And the surah of the pen, he says he created Muhammad khalaq al-azim. He made Muhammad a supreme being. And shaped him, gave him that sunnah, that same word, seen noon. You see that? Make a sunnah that we should abide by. But if we don't, we start following men then we fall off the Surah of Al-Fakim like Abraham and Musa and Isa and Shuaib and Idris and Luqman and Salah. And when we fall off of the Surah of Al-Fakim and we get into Allah's either Ghadaba, His anger, you see, or we end up in Dala, out of the light and into the darkness. So you're saying that Allah knew that a uh, man in the heavens would forget his divinity and that's why he was cast down here in, uh, in earth, in, in paradise on earth, and was given a sec another chance? No, I'm saying that once man got in the body, he forgot his divinity. <laughs> that's why he called him insan. He said, khalaq al-insan, min alaq. You see, I created a forgetful being, and now I've made him a physical clot dividing, an alaq, something splitting up. Now he had the power to procreate within himself through the splitting of atoms or the semen and the ovum splitting and forming a fetus. That's, that's what Allah says. Khalaq al-insan min alaq. He created al-insan. The word al-insan is the same as nas or, or 
Nisa means a forgetful being from a clot that splits up. At that point when man starts to multiply on the planet Earth, then you'll find out in Genesis 6, when man started to multiply on the Earth and daughters were born unto him, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did what? He sent down angelic beings. Go to Genesis chapter um, 6. And when it came to pass... That's right. It came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, and the sons of Allah saw the daughters of the men. These sons of Allah were angelic beings. Saw the daughters of the men that they were beautiful. They use, they use Jamil. They say fair, but the, in the original language it's Jamil. Beautiful. Right? Or Hassanan, handsome. And they took them wives. This is when angelic beings conceived to mortals, all of which they chose. This gave birth to your cities of Atlantis and Mu, when angelic beings conceived with mortals. Can angelic beings conceive with mortals? Yes. The Holy Quran in the 19th chapter, 19th verse, notice the two numbers, speaks of when Jibrael came to Mary. Not only did he come as a basharan, a a, a, a well-made man, a translator, but Bashar means skin, look it up in any lexicon, but it says he, wahaba, he gave her, that means conceived or passed on physical to physical something to her. So angels do come down as, as mortals and go into human beings. And then it says, and the Lord said, my spirit shall not always die with men, my ruh, my ruh, not always be with men, because man is merely flesh, because he's Jessica. So it meant that the day would come when the roof of Allah would leave the body of mortals. Man was destined to be 120 years old on earth. But of course, a bad diet, eating animal flesh and taking drugs, man now dies at 60 and 70 years old. And so when, he, when Asa and Maryam incarnated, he was a perfect being when an angel came down and he lived to be 120 years old. There were giants in the earth in those days. That is the cherubim, the wicked angels, who had been cast out with Lucifer or Azazel or Iblis from heaven, 200 of them was cast down to earth. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also, and which means, and even after that, Amma, and even after that, when the sons of Allah, even after that, now first there was these cast down angels who was on earth, and they set up a land which is referred to in the scriptures as the land of Nod. You find that mentioned because of the children of Adam when Cain slew Abel. You find that he was put out of his father's house and he went to a land which is called Nod. And there he encountered a certain amount of people. What Christians don't seem to address that if there was nobody else on earth, then where did the people that you find mentioned in Genesis chapter 4 verse 16 come from when it says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in a land called Nod. There's a nobody else on the planet Earth but Adam, Eve, and Cain, and Abel. And Cain just slew Abel. And that leaves Adam, Eve, and Cain. So who are these people in the land of Nod? If people look at the word Nod, they'll find the word Nod means wanderers or wilderness. This is the land where the fallen angels who came to Earth set up. And this is where Cain went to. And in, in that land, he gave birth to a son named Enoch. And then he named another land after them. Allah Ta'ala destroyed those beings there. So we get back to Genesis. It says, there were giants in the, this is Genesis 6, 4, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, after those giants were here, after those fallen angels had already set up Nod, right, the sons of Allah came in unto the daughters of men, and they bore children of them, and these became the mighty men of renown. These became the so-called mystics that walked the earth. These became the people of Mu and Atlantis, the great masters, that came from a conception of angelic beings, which Ezekiel referred to as you know, uh, extraterrestrials or, you know, different ways or angelic being malaik, whatever you want to call them, you want to call them UFO or extraterrestrial, it still means angels. They come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his malaik. 
to dwell with man and conceive with man, and so they'd have renowned beings here. Rasulullah Muhammad was not one of those beings, but what happened is after Rasulullah Muhammad was born, Allah Ta'ala sent his angels to Rasulullah to open up his chest and purify him, which means to do certain alterations to his spiritual being to make him a supernatural or divine being. Khalaq al-Azim. You see? I hope I'm not talking too fast. I have a habit of doing that. No, um, I want to, you know, because you said the body was a prison, and I, you know, I want to know was the 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 first transgression that was that was then that uh, man had with that, you know, his Allah is so merciful. You know what's interesting about that? I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. It's almost as if if I took a perfectly pure being and put them in that room, all of y'all would cling to that being like a bee does pollen because right. of its sweetness. Right. Your body is a composition of, what do you call it, bacteria. That once that pure soul was on earth, it clung to it. And, you'll be, and what you are doing is feeding the bacteria as opposed to the soul when you do more for your physical body than you do for your spiritual self. When you miss salah and you miss fasting and you miss all the religious principles to itself, the spiritual you, right? What you do is you strengthen the physical body and the, and the spiritual body has no growth. The physical body, you touch your face. Touch your face for me. That thing you're touching right there is nothing but bacteria, filth, that is plaguing your soul. You just don't want to accept it because you think that's really you. <laughs> the real you comes out if you stand into a mirror and stare there for a little while in a quiet environment, just look at the mirror, and then start saying, the nose, the eyes, the mouth. The skin, the eyebrows, and just keep staring at your eyes as you're doing this. And I should say, stare at your, from, from your eyes as you say my nose, look at your nose, and your mouth, and your ears. And at a certain point in this practice, you're going to see that there's a clear difference between what is standing there in the mirror and what is talking from the inside about what is standing there in the mirror. You're going to actually feel the separation between you and the presence of the divine in you. You follow that? Right. That divine in you is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is when the honorable Elijah Muhammad said, you are God. This is what he was talking about. This is what Asa, Jesus said, you are God. But people who don't, with narrow minds, want to misinterpret what the messenger was saying, turn it all around, because those Arabs over there got such a short amount of knowledge that they couldn't believe, they couldn't begin to comprehend what Honorable Elijah Muhammad was saying when he said, you're the Asiatic black man, the maker, the owner, the cream, and the planet earth, and father of civilization, and God of the universe. They couldn't understand that. The moment you say that, immediately you're stepping on their concept of some food God, so they go off and call you a blasphemer, and they start bad-mouthing you, because they don't understand. He was trying to explain that if the Quran says Allah put his spirit into you, for you to say that it's not there is blasphemy. You see, if the Honorable Ayman was trying to tell you that if Allah says he put his spirit into man, then every man in here is a portion of Allah. Now, if you say that's not true, the Quran says it is true. If you say that's not true, the Torah says it is true. If you say that's not true, the Injil says it is true. So who do we listen to? You or do we listen to Allah? Do we listen to your scholars in Egypt or do we listen to Allah? Do we listen to your white scholars in Saudi or do we listen to Allah? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I blew into man of my spirit and man became a living soul. So you are divine. You are just asleep and you must be awoken again. Or as the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says, you must find yourself again. You're the lowest found. So now we have found the body. 
but the soul and the spirit inside that soul is still lost. We have to waken that up. Like a phoenix, you must be born out of the bones of a dead body, the same way Lazarus by Jesus was called out of the cave of the dead and brought back to life. When he called him out, he brought out with him some real stench. <laughs> when Jesus called Lazarus out of the cave, he said, come forth, Lazarus, right? With Lazarus came some real stench, some real odor. He was still wrapped in his funeral cloth. He had been dead for them three, three and some odd days. Believe me, black man and black woman, when you come out of this grave, and we got to wake you up, you bring a real stench with you. You bring crack and marijuana and cigarettes and alcohol and pork and race and curse and, and killing and murders and rapes. You bring a lot of stench out of the grave of Hades that you encountered while in the bosom of the devil. Now it's going to be very difficult for us to redress you and let you realize that the spiritual you is much greater than the physical you if you are ever to become one with the lost upon the water island again. You're going to have to work at it. It's not going to just fall upon you again like in the garden. You had a chance in the garden. A lost upon the water island gave you everything in the garden, put you in the midst of it and said, you can have everything, just don't touch this one thing, the tree. What did you do? Go right past everything he gave you and went right to that one thing and ate it. He said, now I'm going to give you just the opposite. I'm going to put you outside the garden where I don't want you to touch nothing. <laughs> I just want you to go to this one thing, the Surat al-Mustaqim, path of Islam. And what are we doing? Now we're going to everything but that one thing again. We're doing just the opposite again. <laughs> So now we have to uh, work our way back as far as having more or less nothing. Uh, that's, that's right. Now that's a perfect statement you just made. You know why? Because you do indeed have something because you have yourself. Correct? Right. But that something is absence of the real thing, so it's really nothing. You understand? Right. Thus, Allah did the same thing. In order for Allah to create matter, he had to create a condition for matter. You understand that? Right. But by the standards of matter, he had created nothingness. Did I lose you? No. Right. You understand that, right? right? In order for him to create any physical thing, he had to create molecules, magnetism, and the ability for these molecules to magnetize and to form matter. By the laws of matter which you're living in, these molecules and magnetism did not exist. They were nothing based on your laws. This is what I meant when I said Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created nothingness first. He created a condition for something to come into existence by his word. You see, people who didn't see that thought, how can you create nothingness? Don't say, what did the brother mean? Ask the brother. Say, excuse me, Imam, I don't know what you meant by that. But don't go up and say this man's crazy because he said Allah created nothingness. First, ask me. Before Allah could create anything, he had to create a condition for these things to come into existence. You understand? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created himself into existence. But just because, because people always ask that question, where did Allah come from? Allah created himself into existence. But the condition from which he created himself in is beyond our comprehension because of the condition that we live in. The very spiritual world is beyond our comprehension. So he says he's in the world. The world was made, out, made by him, but the world knows him not. You see? No man knows the Father, not even the Son. He was merely sent to bear witness or testify of him. No man can describe the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you do know by your creation that he created a condition in which to create things. So in his self-created self, he created a condition for which he 
came into existence, which you will never be able to comprehend, so just leave it alone. You have been listening to The True Light, sponsored by the original Prince of Kedar, located at 717 Richmond Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. You are also invited to attend the questions and answers class every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. in the Hall of Knowledge at 548 Park Street in Brooklyn, New York. And now, more profound than ever before, the Pampas of Peace, offered by the Master Teacher and Spiritual Guide, S.I.E.D. and Imam Isa and Hadi and Matthew, covering such topics as who's who on the planet Earth, the resurrection, who was Noble Jew Ali, who was Jesus' father, who was Marcus Garvey, St. Paul, disciple or deceiver, and much, much more. Also to aid your spiritual growth, we have a beautifully crafted hand-woven prayer rug designed by Esayid and Imam Isa and Hadi El Mahdi. We also have a large assortment of prayer beads, Nubian and Sufi oils and incense. The original sense of Kedar would like for you to write or call us and let us know how the true life has changed your life. Remember, above all things, the truth is the truth. ربنا أتمن لنا يومنا وأكثرنا إنك على كل شيء قدير. This is from the 56th surah of the Holy Quran, the 8th verse. And we also stay to complete for us our life. And forgive us, for surely you have the power over all things. We have a plan to fight for our abortion rights. First, we'll make our voices heard at the Supreme Court. Next, we'll demand that our leaders represent our values. We won't stop until our rights are written into the Constitution. Join the fight at the... Makeup, that's how they look. I'm serious. They didn't put the thoughts in white kids' heads so they can start their hair up in the end, all kind of weird things, where you won't know they're real demons from kids emulating them. Serious thing out there. They spread diseases, I'm telling y'all, that there is no cure for. Diseases of death. Men in that room know what I'm talking about. Especially you men who can't control yourself. It sees every woman as somebody you should lay up with. They got diseases out there that will kill you dead. You know the sad thing about it? Every woman you meet, you don't know who she laid up with. If this ain't the same woman you've been known for seven years, you take a chance. But she don't know if the guy she was laying up with was a homosexual six years ago and became a man because he saw the right movie. You don't know. And this is what you left out there to marry. And that goes for the women also. You don't know which one of those guys was a, a homosexual six years ago and now an age starts, he straightens up. He was a closet princess six years ago. Now all of a sudden he's macho man. You don't know if he got AIDS living inside his system. Do you? Do you know? Only people you can count on are the people that you've been laying up with for six years. And how old would that make the average one of you brothers? How old? If you have the same one for six years, the average one of y'all would be at least in his late 20s, correct? Correct. You should be at least. Anybody under that, you better be careful. And they ain't even trying to find a cure for it. Don't fool yourself. Because they created it. AIDS didn't fall out the sky. AIDS was created. AIDS is a conspiracy. During warfare, they got loose. You wasted time. 
I don't know what to say behind that. No, um, my, my question uh, relates to uh, chronology in the Bible. And uh, I'd just uh, like you to clarify some of the, um, uh, the dates regarding B.C., A.C., A.C.D., B.C.E., and uh, things of that nature. Oh, and the other thing is, uh, where, when they quote a date and they, and they say B.C., they say they'll, they'll write uh, 1056 or 1056. And as the numbers descend, my understanding is getting closer to the, what they call the A.D. era. Now, just for, uh, for clarification, really, I mean, how, how do we decipher, how do I decipher these, uh, uh, these dates and, and, and get a clear understanding of what's happening here with this B.C., what the Romans and the Greeks did who were ruling the world at the time, right? They did not believe in Christ, as they call it, yet they used his birthday as the date one. See the contradiction? They yes. didn't believe it. When they say A.D. Anno Dominus, yes. right, they mean after the death of Jesus. When they say B.C., they mean before Jesus was born. When they say B.C.E., they say before the Christ is era. The Christ era means before the book of Daniel and Isaiah wrote about a Messiah coming. That's B.C.E. Okay. A.H. is when you get past Jesus up until 570 years after him when Muhammad was born. Okay? And then in the year 622, he established a new calendar, which was the A.H. calendar, based on him migrating from Mecca to Medina. And they call that the A.H. calendar. That's a lunar calendar. So you end up with like three different calendars. You have the Judaic calendar from Adam all the way down to Isaiah and Daniel and them. When a new period came in, they instituted a new kind of calendar. It went down to Jesus. When Jesus was there, the Romans took and made a new calendar and went back up to Isaiah and them about the crisis era. So you end up with, again, Adam's calendar, which would be from the birth of the prophet Adam all the way down to now. That stays the same. Is that 1,988? So 1,988 would be 1,988 years from Jesus, who became the year one, which was 4,000 years from Adam. I follow you. Okay? So that puts us 5,000. I'm sorry. Short. We're very close to 6,000 years. Yeah, I follow So if we came straight down from Adam, it would be 6,000. When we base it around the Roman calendar, start from Jesus, it only becomes 1,988. They did all this. With hope to confuse us. Okay. Uh, one other thing, uh, re- regarding uh, the AD, it says uh, on the back of this Bible here, it has a, a listing, a chronology, and uh, it has Jesus born in AD seven. I'm looking for it here as I'm speaking. And at the same time, at the, uh, at the, uh, it has a BC four, I think it says. Let me get it right here. Right. The reason why, right, Jesus now, was born, you're right, in 7 AD. Yes. And the reason why they say BCE 4 is because certain churches believe Jesus was born in the year 4 because they didn't do the calculation of the death of Herod. Had they did the calculation from the death of Herod and when Jesus had returned back from Egypt when Herod died, right. they'd be able to calculate that he was born in the year 7. But when they just came along, they first said he was born in the year 2. Then they said, well, they proved it could have been 2 by the eclipse because they said they saw the star, and that was, you know, an eclipse. So it must have been 4 when they had an eclipse, and it comes down to be 7 A.D. He was born 7 years after he was dead, according to them. Yeah, right. That's, 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 that's what I found confusing. Yeah, so when it makes it confuse you, because here's what they do. Yeah. They say Jesus was born 1, I watch this close. He was born 1 what? B.C., 1 before he was born? Or one AD, one after he was dead. They didn't know. Right. So they got 
Creed 4 BC and 7 AD. They got almost 12 years caught up in there. They don't even know because they did not go to Egypt. Find out in Egypt when Jesus arrived there with his mother and father, how long they stayed in Egypt, and then they came back to register at the ledgers in Jerusalem because it was time for the preparation of Passover. They had people, the census, make a ledger. So they would have got the date that he had got back in. They could have timed that by the date that he left as a baby, and they would have knew how old he was. They would have knew what he was born, which comes out to be seven. They have another listing here, A. A-U-C, then they have the word, uh, uh, the year 750. Uh, it says the following table made and making matters clear. I don't, I don't see how they can write that. Which means they created their own table to clear things up. The following table is made, they so it's like them saying, okay, according to our Greek version of it, this is what we got. Well, in, in just a minute, please. Uh, but they have here this A-U-C as uh, Anos, Urbis, Condiment or something of that matter. It's it goes to Latin on you yeah. and say that this is before Jesus' conception. That's what they mean. Okay. But then they're arguing about the nine months that Mary was pregnant. They, they get to things like the, the date of conception or the date of birth, the day when he was actually delivered or the day that he was conceived. They don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know, because, like I said, because they won't take the simple method. They won't trace his life. And that's because they don't want to find out. They really don't want to find out when Jesus was born. Because it contradicts their doctrine. So then the true calendar would be Adam's calendar, is that, that correct? That would be the true calendar, calculated from Adam straight down. So uh, that would put us in the year 5,988. That's right. Okay, thank you. Um, is it sort of like a man's goal to become perfect as Adam was in the beginning? Or is that is, that's not possible? That depends on what you mean by perfect. You know, so it does tell us in the Quran that we are supposed to aspire to become salihin. That we should work to perfect ourselves and excel people in al-haq, which is the reality, and al-sabr, and to be patient. It tells us to work for salihati, to make ourselves perfect beings, right? But that is only so we can prepare ourselves for the transition from human nature back into an angelic state. Because this is what Adam was originally, an angel. This is what Jesus said he was originally. He said, I came down from heaven. And that's where I'm going back to. He had descended down, and I'm going up. Jesus was an extraterrestrial. Christians just are trying to make him a god of earth, and he would tell them all the time, my spirit came from another dimension. You can call it what you want. He said, those are the earthly, are earthly, and those are the spiritual, are spiritual. Those are up there, from up there, and those from down here, from down here. Down here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us through the guidance of his prophet, mainly the seal, Muhammad, to try to be to perfect the way we live and Jesus said right before Muhammad that the first stage of that is to learn to love one another as I love myself we as people got to learn to love each other the way we love ourselves and then we can start to perfect the way we live but our goal or I should say your goal is to become angelic beings again by the time you reach the next realm you should have transformed yourself from a mortal to an angel. Luke 20, 36 will tell you that. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal unto the angels, and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. They talk about, at that resurrection, Jesus talked about, and remember, he said he is the resurrection. Correct? And even in Islam, we're taught that Father Rasulullah Muhammad, after Rasulullah Muhammad comes, 
then the Messiah Jesus will come at the end of the world to save the world. That's what it says in Islam, it teaches that. Muslims try to hide that. And it tells you when that resurrection stage comes, man is going to have a transformation period. He'll never die again. He'll be transformed from mortality into immortality. You will become angels again. My whole doctrine is like the doctrine of the Essenes. The Essenes studied the nature of the angels. I am trying to teach y'all to take yourself from this stage of human nature to the next stage, the angelic being, so you can make that transition. This is what it's called for. If you don't, those that are mortal will go down with the world. Those that are spiritual will make the transition from this stage to the next. The hardest thing is to try to get y'all across the bridge of mortality over into immortality because you love the things of this world so much. And the things that I'm trying to give y'all are not of this world. They are from the Father. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And I am now trying to put that Father that's in me inside you so that you be in the Father, and that we all will be one in the Father. And then you will enter back into the domain of heaven. Without that, you are earthborn, and you will be cast into a lake of fire and sulfur with the devil because you love him, and you love his image, and you bow to the things that he offers you as opposed to the things that our Heavenly Father is trying to give us. And the thing that our Heavenly Father is trying to give us is salvation through love. And we cannot be individuals and love. Love is an outflowing force. And it has to interlock between beings. Everybody in that room has got to learn to love each other as much as they love themselves. You've got to be able to look in your brother's eyes when you talk to them so that you have a sincere expression. You've got to learn to feel people from inside out. You've got to learn to care again. And that will be the first stages of suppressing your mortality. It is your mortality, your mortal being, your physical being that renders you such a carnivorous, self-centered, egotistical creature. But it's the Almighty who put his breath in us. In the beginning when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he blew into man of his spirit, or he said the word became flesh and he put the spirit into man, that was angelic energy that is dormant in you. All I've come to do is to turn that, that light back on and let that light become the life in man so that when I see you, I see the prophets. And when I see the prophets in you, I see the angels. And when I see the angels and the prophets in you, I see the heavenly father manifested in you. And that will only be out of your love because it's out of his love for us. It's out of his love for the world that he keeps sending men into the world to try to teach you. It's only because he loves you that he sends his sons down to earth that they could suffer and some even die for you so that you could be saved. That's called love. You have got to learn to sacrifice. That's what it tells you. When har, bismillahirrahmanirrahim, inna aqinaka al-kawtar, fasalli yurabbika when har, Surely, we have given you al kautar Your cup is running over, abundant. So worship is for the sustainer of the boundless universe. And sacrifice. Surely, we have given you, Al Kautar, your cup is running over, abundant. So worship 
is Lirapika for the sustainer of the boundless universe. When her and sacrifice in the shiny avatar. And you know what? All those evil things will be avatar, cut away from you. They will not be able to touch you. So it's only by you people learning the true art of love and concern and consideration and appreciation for each other. When you touch a person's hand, you're supposed to feel compassion for them. When you look at a person's eyes, you're supposed to feel compassion for them. When you redevelop this, you're on the stage of transforming from mortality to immortality. As long as you're an individual living in your cubby hole in some part of the Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, or Queens, feeding your face and caring about yours and yours alone, when you see a bum on the street, you're supposed to give to that bum because that bum is really you. And remember, we have sent angels to you many times in many forms. And a lot of times, an angel walks up to you in the form of a bum to see how compassionate you are in heart. And you say, get away from me. All you're going to do is buy some whiskey. Who are you to make that decision that he's going to buy some alcohol with it? The Almighty sends angels to you to test your compassion. You understand? Assalamu alaikum. Um, Mamisa, what was the fifth veil that Michael the Archangel was under? They're speaking about the plague that would come at the end of the world. Each veil holds one of the vials of the seven major plagues, all right? Mikhail is called the fifth because Jesus says, it was like Jesus, let me run it down. Adam, one, right? Noah, two. Abraham, three. Ishmael, four. Isaac, doesn't make a difference, four. Moses, five. Jesus, six. Muhammad, seven. Each one of those are the seven major prophets. Each one of them represents one of the seven major seals of the book of Revelation because each one of them brought a revelation to the world. The reason why they liken Michael to five is because in the book of Daniel, Michael is a warring angel that defends all Israel. You follow that? Can you repeat that once again? You have seven major prophets from Adam to Muhammad. Uh -huh. And you know their name. Yes. Moses is the fifth. Yes. In the book of Daniel, whenever they speak about the angel Michael, He's always associated with the children of Israel as a defending, warring angel, the head of the archangel. You understand? I understand? That's the fifth veil. Then after that, Jesus came. Michael did not come with Jesus. Gabriel did. And then after Jesus came, Michael was sent to signify the teachings through John. The father of Jesus. So everybody would think that Michael was Jesus when he came, but he wasn't. He said, Jesus said, I'm sending my angel to you. He said, and Michael to represent. But that's, they were expecting Jesus to be a warring angel to smash Rome and put Israel on top. And he didn't do that. Okay? Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Shukran. Well, I have a question. In terms of um, a person's soul, how do you strengthen your soul? The thing about the soul and being strengthened is a very strange kind of question. Believe me. It's a good one, though. Because in the Bible, in Genesis, we got to acknowledge that the soul we have came from the Heavenly Father. We really can't strengthen the Heavenly Father. Okay. We can increase the amount of His presence in our body mm -hmm. by decreasing the amount of things that we worship and desire. Because okay. He said, I blew into man of my spirit, and man became a living soul. You see what happened? Mm -hmm. So He took a physical body and blew His spirit in it, and He developed His emotional body, which we interpret as soul. Then what we did, once we became a being that had body and soul, we started taking in impressions from a wicked being 
that stimulated our desire center and made us desire more things of this world than the world to come. And that's why Jesus kept saying, my things are not of this world. Start looking for the next world. But a way to strengthen the present is not by strengthening it, it's by increasing it. By increasing the divine in you, the good that you do. And every time one of us gets close together, there's twice the presence of the mm -hmm. Most High. And that's how. Mm -hmm. We are strength. And the more of us that get together, the more powerful we are. Like I said, we tore down the walls of Jericho just out of our unity. To see which men are developing the discipline necessary to regain the right to be in the presence of the Most High. Mm -hmm. So when they say it's a spiritual growth, the spiritual growth is coming from the discipline. Being able to have access to food, but don't eat it. Mm -hmm. To have access to a loving wife and don't have sex. Mm -hmm. To be thirsty and don't drink water. You know why? Because these are the gifts of the Father. All the other stuff they add in was the devil when they say, and Muslims don't smoke in Ramadan. Mm -hmm. Muslims don't smoke at all. Yeah. Even they don't smoke in Ramadan. Then they have another super when the Sunnis say, and don't use foul language in Ramadan. Muslims ain't never supposed to use all that. How are they going to use that? So the devil always gets in there. You see what I'm saying? So Ramadan is, it is a focal point on the physical part of man, for man to show that he loves and will obey the creator up and above his own desire. That is the point of Ramadan. Yeah. Um, my other question is, in terms of the, the spiritual discipline, how do you go about it? Where do you start? We've had time, I, I remember um, another question that I asked about a year ago in terms of my aura. Um, I've never seen it as strong as I saw it at that one point, and I still haven't learned how to control it. Okay. In a hospital, I usually think that you have to see them. In a hospital, if I walked up to you and you were bleeding, mm -hmm. now you're bleeding, and I walk up to you in a suit and a tie, a black suit, white shirt tie, and I say, uh, give me a needle and thread, I want to sew this lady up here. What would you say? No. You say, wait a minute, are you a doctor? Mm -hmm. I, and I say, yeah, I'm a doctor. Now, but if a white guy, and I, this ain't white or black, this is mm -hmm. just any person, if he walks up to you in a white suit with a doctor's symbol on it and said, give me a needle and thread, I want to sew this lady up, you wouldn't question Step one there is the mask that the actor wears should become a space. In order for you to get the full spiritual benefits, you must get the physical thing organized. And I say that because a lot of people like to say, the Almighty only has what's in your heart. And I say, oh yeah, but if he didn't care about what's on your outward appearance and what you take in, he wouldn't have put them in books. He would have put it in your head. He put the revelation and the scriptures in physical things, and he named it two things. He called it kitab, which means to write, and he called it Ikra or Quran, which means to read. Which one must we do first? Mm -hmm. We must write what we're going to read. So therefore, there's certain things that we need to write. For instance, in your right hand, you're holding a pen. Mm -hmm. And you need something to write upon. Mm -hmm. These two things come from the physical world. Mm -hmm. Once we get what you're thinking from the spiritual world, transform onto paper, then you're utilizing the spiritual. But where did you start from? You started from the physical. You understand? Yeah. That's how he expects us to be. He expects me and you to get ourselves together physically, to prepare ourselves. That's why he told Moses, take off them shoes. 
This is holy ground. You see what I'm saying? In other words, to get the full benefit of what you're supposed to do, you're going to have to obey the law. You mm-hmm. can't evade the law. And in the law, there's a dress code, a living code. Jesus said that. Not one jot, nor one tittle shall be removed from the law. Mm-hmm. But we don't want the law. We want to go straight to the spiritual aspect without the law. He told me we can't do it that way. We've got to do it the way it's been prescribed. No alteration. So the problem you're having with getting further and further spiritually is you got all the tools except total submission. Mm-hmm. Total submission to the will of the law. You want to somewhat submit or work your way into it, and he doesn't bother. He doesn't have to bother with us. <laughs> he put it in a book because he wanted you to get the physical part first, then read it, and understand what he's trying to tell us to do. And if you got this desire for the spiritual, that means that there's a spirit knocking on the door trying to get you into it. That's your interest in it. But you got to meet him more than halfway. Because he met me and you more than halfway. Aren't you healthy? Mm-hmm. And that's a gift nowadays with all the people that are not healthy. So he cared a heck of a lot about you as an individual. Yes, it's all working limbs, all work, your eyes, ears, and everything is working. He gave you already 75%. He's asking for 25 And we can't wrestle with him with it. We've got to submit. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of us believe that we could do a lot more from the outside than the end. I got things I want to finish in the world first. I got my family I got to take care of first. I got to finish my education first. Who are we talking to when we say this? You're not talking to me. You're not talking to the book. We're talking to that Heavenly Father. We're saying to him, Heavenly Father, I understand what you said I should do in the scriptures, but I got things that I got to finish doing on earth first. And then I'll be ready to totally submit. Then can I come to heaven? That's what we're really doing. We're bargaining with him. And we're not in a position to bother no more. We were in a position in the garden. That's why he confronted us and said to Cain, uh, where's our brother? He didn't have to. What did he say to Adam and Eve? Did you eat the fruit that I told you not to eat? What did he tell them, though? That he knows the day that you eat the fruit, you shall surely die. But when she bit the apple, what should have happened? But did she? He was compassionate. Jonah, he said, Jonah, go to the Babylonians, to Nineveh, Shemar, and teach them. Jonah says, I don't want to. Jonah got in a boat and tried to hide from the Heavenly Father. The people on the boat said, Jonah, I hope you can swim because we're throwing you out of here, Junior. Throw him in the water and a whale spit him out where he did not want to go. Is that compassion? The Lord, the Messiah, Jesus, said, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass by me. In other words, he's saying, oh, believe me, my spirit is really willing, father. My flesh is not, I can't deal with these nails. You Help me. And he delivered him from it. Is he not compassionate? He has all his prophecies at times. All his destiny interfered with the flow of nature for man. Because they know whale can harbor no person in their body. The acids in their system would kill the person. But it said he prepared a whale for Jonah. A catchword is in there. He prepared this whale. This is a special fish because the almighty all did the very molecule structure of nature to make something happen specially. He destroyed the whole world. But he kept the root of man because he did it with water so that all of the fish, which are the mothers and fathers of mammal, would still survive. With all that he does, there is compassion in what he does for us. And then we try to bargain with him. I'm going to become Muslim soon. I'm going to take my time. I just got a few more questions I want to ask. Because you ain't asking me no questions. Because all I'm doing is quoting the scriptures. 
He just said, Lord, I, I'm with you. So far, things look good. That guy, uh, that guy, that new, that new one, the Imam Isa, he's doing good. I like the way he does it. I like this one. He did a good job. Now, if you can, if you can solve these last four questions a lot, I'll be in. <laughs> this is what y'all are thinking, but you don't realize you're thinking like that. You don't realize it. you're saying, you know, I got you know, my mother's sick. You understand? I got to take care. Like he don't understand your mother's sick. You know, like just people say, my mother, you know, she needs help. Like he don't understand your mother needs help. And they don't realize when they think, when we're, when I shouldn't say they, when we're thinking like that, we're blaspheming. Because we're underestimating the power of the Most High just by saying, but I love my wife. I can't leave her. Like he don't know that. I want my wife to convert to Islam. And I think that if I stay out in the street with her two more weeks, or maybe four, I might be able to convert her. Like he don't know that. So in one respect, we're saying, Almighty, all-knowing Father, who knows everything that's in our hearts, and knows the secrets of our aspirations, right? It's you I obey, but I got one more thing to do. I know you understand when I do it, and that's make sure I get my college degree. And that's what we do. Now, here's the men's biggest con. For you sisters sitting in there. I don't want to come in the mosque with nothing. I want to make sure when I come, I got something. Because I want to offer something. Because I don't want to come in and take away. Brother, stop lying. You're using that as an excuse to stay in the street. And you know you're using it as an excuse to stay in the street. Because there's nothing you can bring we don't really have. The only thing, I say, the only thing you can bring that we don't have is those Dunkin' Donuts. That means you. Everything else we already have. And all you can do is help us get stronger in what we're doing. So stop buying time and making excuses because there's going to be a day when you're going to be questioning. Because you're not evading me. You're not about, I'm not going in. It's not my community. i tell you the truth. I was, I was sitting out there in the classroom, so I'd have to make the decision. And I believe if I was sitting, I'd probably be making the same excuses. I ain't going in there yet. I got some things I want to do. First, I'm going to get it together in about six years. In fact, some brothers say, when the world going to end? They say about how many years? 2030? Okay, I'll be in 2029. And 350 days. You can't play that game because it ain't real. And I'm telling you, that bargaining with Allah, you're going to be sorry on the judgment day. Because you're making a pact with him like the devil did. The devil said, you spite me, watch me to the day of judgment. Making an excuse for judgment day. And Allah said, you got it. So every time you say that, you know what you sound like? When you say, I'm going to come in, just watch me, Allah, I got to get it together. You sound just like Iblis when he said in the garden. He told Allah, watch me until the day of judgment. Because I'm going to prove you that man is not worthy of your presence. And we're, we're making it look that way. Because we're going along with the devil. We know we like the things the devil produces. Tell the truth, don't we? Mm-hmm. All of us call ourselves righteous Muslims. But they take that color television out your house, you sit on the floor crying like a baby. You took my... He took my video. He took my tape recorder. If you can't turn the BLS, you'd have a, a nervous breakdown. I mean, not everybody. This don't apply to everybody, but this does apply to somebody. We got some things that the devil has offered us. It has the best of our souls. He has us. And the only way we're going to break it is to break it. We got to take that chance. You got to make that move. If you don't want to come here, go somewhere else, but do something. Y'all organize a community, but just don't be scattered out like you are. Too easy to pick you off. And stop bothering with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You really don't have the time, nor do we have the credentials to make a deal with the Heavenly Father. I'm going to get it together. I'm going to, as soon as I finish this, I'll be in there as soon as I get... We don't have those kind of credentials no more. He was so compassionate and loving. 
You know what I, I say? I've been saying this for years. The white man fed you all pork, right? And he fed you the worst part of pork. The gut, the ears, the tail, the foot. Not feet, the foot. The intestines, the bowels. He even brushed your teeth with the big fur. You know what I'm saying? He, and you wash your body with his hook. But they use make some soap out of pickles. While we were doing this style stuff, the white man made a joke out of black people and watermelons. Made us look like it was a joke for black people to eat watermelons, only to find out that watermelons purify the stomach, keep the system flushed. And if the heavenly father didn't turn us into the rigid prior that the white person laughed at when he saw us eating watermelon, we probably would have died. The filth that he would feed us in slavery, we would have never made it this far. But the Almighty loved us so much that while he was feeding your pork, the Almighty was making us eat watermelon. That's why we're here today and we're able to survive all the stuff this man does to us. Because we have an everlasting covenant. Because Allah says about Ishmael, the name Ishmael means, I will hear. Ishmael comes from Sama'at, it means to hear or to listen. I will listen. Sami Allah liman hamada rabbana walak alhamd. Sami Allah means Allah does listen to those who praise or are grateful to him. And for our sustainer is the praise. We say that in our prayer. And we are Ismail. He does hear us. Stop bargaining with him. Um, the last question that I have is just in terms of the end times and what you had said before that um, Jesus said he'd never leave us comfortless. How far does that go? It goes as far as us obeying his law. When we step out of his law, we are comfortless. People say, that means all of us. No, no, no. It only means people that are in the law. You understand? Because he gave us a perimeter to work with. You know, and it says, stay within that perimeter, and you ain't got nothing to worry about. And we think we can step out the perimeter and still get his blessing. And it's just not true. Here's a guy, you know the thing people in the hospital, ex-drug addicts or wine, or they in hospital, they ain't the old guy. I just got hit by this train. I know I drink, and I know I smoke, and I know I curse, and I know I've been killing people, and I know I've been selling drugs, and I know I've been stealing everything, and I've raped four or five people, and I've beat up a couple of cats, and, you know, I kicked this cat down the street, but, oh, God, please forgive me. And they act like they should be forgiven. And then, when they don't get what they want, they're mad at God. And if they get what they want, if he says, okay, what does Jesus say when he heals somebody? Now go and sin no more. They come out the hospital, go right back into their sin. They bargain. Please, God, what do we do? We run to him when we need him. And we as human beings, put myself with you, I want you to feel this. We as human beings get mad when someone calls us and you say, my sister don't never call me unless she wants something. How many friends you got that they contact you when they need? And you say, I ain't even seen that nigga. Now he wants something. Now he's calling it. Uh, is that not true? You know, they call you three or four days before Christmas in short gift. They call you on the phone and say, you know, uh, how you doing? How's the kids? My birthday's Tuesday. And you get mad at that, but you don't expect the Heavenly Father to be mad at you because you do the same thing. You get in the hospital and say, oh, God, I don't want to die. I won't use drugs no more, I promise. And you only call him when you need him. What about now while you all are healthy? When you don't have no major problems, 
when you're not laying on a hospital bed? Why aren't you praising him now? No, you wait until you are in some type of stress. Then you call the Holy Spirit. Well, you should be calling the Holy Spirit every day to be a beacon, a guide like you. Go ahead. Really, the white man thinks in his brain. He believes he's going to prolong all this long time? Or he, he doesn't have to. All he has to do is have more of your power in him than Allah when the world is. And that's it. That's his whole point to prove to Allah that y'all are not worthy because y'all will not come into God. He don't believe you're going to get destroyed. Oh, no. He knows the world is going to end. But he thinks that as long as he has more souls in his ledger than we have in our ledger, that he'll win. And based on what like the Quran says, Bismillahir Rahman Al Rahim Wal Asr Inna Linsanalati Husr Illa Lavina Amanu Amanu Salihat Watawasobil Hak Watawasobis Sabr. By that quote in the Quran, it says Wal Asr by the time when man spirit is separated from his body surely all human beings are losing based on the time of the end of the world man is in a state of loss except for those who amala, who work to try to perfect themselves scripture says and they spend their time trying to bring people to the reality and the facts of it. What the world so this sober. And they have patience and endurance in doing it. People come in, can't stay because things don't go their way. Or they're stolen, they don't want to protect themselves. And the Quran told us, Bismillahir Rahman Al Rahim. Well it told us about that. Told us that man is going to be, when it comes time to judgment day, man is going to be running last. He's going to be losing the race. Because he's caught up in the things of dunya, the things of this world. And he doesn't even look forward to a spiritual life. He's caught up in taking care of himself in the physical world. And he's not even thinking about the God of the spiritual world. Right. Um, my question is, if, if our purpose is to get back to the state where the Creator wants us, why are some brothers and sisters with the um, not being able to see the truth? Don't want to see it, don't want to hear it. Because the brother did a real good job. So the devil is the one who put the death on them? Yeah, the devil, the devil has done a good job of making them want to be what he is. And he's a failure. Everyone in his society always looks rich and always fails. Rome, Greece, Mesopotamia, and this society here is beginning to fall apart. Interior is falling apart now. Just watch the news. So our people are afraid as men to stand up on our own and build our own nation. We're just afraid to. We've been living under the white man so long that we feel comfortable under his arm. We're afraid to stand up on our own and go for it. And we can do it. So it's the white man that put the veil on, on the on the eyes so they won't see or hear. No, Allah, 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 Allah will seal anybody's heart who speaks disbelief. If you want to find a reason not to be a Muslim, Allah will help you not be a Muslim. I see. Man. If you want a Muslim reason to say I'm gonna find fault in my he'll help you find fault. I'm gonna find fault in the community, he'll help you find fault. If you say I want to find righteousness in a person, he'll help you find righteousness. 
You have been listening to The True Light, sponsored by the original Tense of Kidar, located at 717 Woodrick Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. You are also invited to attend the Questions and Answers class every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. in the Hall of Knowledge at 548 Park Street in Brooklyn, New York. And now, more profound than ever before, the Panthers of Peace, authored by the Master Teacher and Spiritual Guide, Sayyid El Imam Isa El Hadi El Masi, covering such topics as who's who on the planet Earth, the resurrection, who was Noble Drew Ali, who was Jesus' father, who was Marcus Garvey, St. Paul, disciple or deceiver, and much, much more. Also, to aid in your spiritual growth, we have a beautifully crafted hand-woven prayer rug designed by Estayit Al-Imam Isa Al-Hadi Al-Mahdi. We also have a large assortment of prayer beads, Nubian and Sufi oils, and incense. The original tense of Kidar would like for you to write or call us and let us know how the true light has changed your life. Remember, above all things, truth is true. ربنا اكمل لنا نورنا واكثر لنا انك على كل شيء قدير. This is from the 66th of the Holy Quran, the 8th And we also stay a complete for us our life. And forgive us, for surely you have the power over all things. The Hansons are hitting the road, and wherever they go, they'll be about 10 minutes from a hotel by window. The Morgans are soaking.
you, the landlord. Yes, you. Thank you. 
and that he is alone and has no partners, and that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend, and send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles, and on the Messiah, the anointed one, and on the Mahdi, the guide, and on the Mujahideen, the Mephalim, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. You're now listening to The True Light with As-Sayyid al-Imam Isla al-Hadi al-Mahdi. Why do Christians, um, how would you explain this to them? They believe that when they die, they automatically go to create. And, you know, Christianity has always taught you know, God folks that they come back or somewhere and you got to accept Jesus going to stake for your Christ and all that, you know, be your Savior, you know, but how can you accept something you can't see? There's right. <laughs> the best answer for that. Uh-huh. When a Christian walks up to you and says, you must accept Jesus as your personal Savior. You say, I do. Mm-hmm. And you tell them that guy. You know why? Because they don't even know why they do it. So they now want to know why you do it. <laughs> so they don't have an answer. So they say, you got to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Jesus is Christ. You say, I do. You know what they say? Huh? Uh-huh. Wait, wait. What'd you say? Yeah. I thought you was a Muslim. Um, wait, y'all believe in Jesus Christ? Sure we do. Y'all believe he's your personal savior? Yeah. <laughs> now they want to question you, and they want to find out why you do, so they don't have a reason for the next time somebody asks them. Don't even try to answer the phone. Okay. All you do is answer it with an answer. You're right. We do. We believe that Jesus is our personal savior. Right. And if you were sent into the world to prove the sin, to prove the world of sin, to establish the kingdom of righteousness, yes, we do. We believe the 144,000 of lives with him, and they will conquer the beast. We believe all that. And then say, nah, bye. <laughs> and if they want the next chapter, like some soapbox operas, catch me tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you understand what yeah. But you got to read the TV guide first and leave with one of the books. Uh-huh. They read this, and you get the next chapter in soapbox after tomorrow. <laughs> Stop feeling you got to answer all their questions. Uh-huh. Put the questions to them. Reverse it now. Okay. Then ask them. Uh-huh. Who is Jesus? Where is he? How are we know him? Uh-huh. And let them start talking in front of them. It's inside. So before y'all can get me, y'all got to get yourself together. Yeah, me and different Christian churches, everybody's saying the right thing. Right. Jesus is the he's coming to save us. Coming from where? Right. That's the question, where is he coming from? It's real simple. Just don't let them intimidate you. Right. Question them. They tell you, when you see that first question, I'm just speaking to you in the name of Jesus Christ, question mm-hmm. Okay. Jesus was dying on the cross for your sins. 
right? Right. He wouldn't have been crying for them. Refer to the book of Matthew, chapter 27, verse 46. <laughs> and so he's on the cross dying for your sins and crying to say, Oh, my father, why have thou forsaken me? And Jesus was born the Son of God. Born the Son of God, God in flesh. How can he say, Why have thou forsaken me? Mm-hmm. That's what he was born to do. They say, Pray that Jesus was spared in the world and died for your sins. Right. Then when he came ready to die, he says, Why have thou forsaken me? How was he forsaken if that's what he came to do? He doesn't send it to him there. Yeah, I see. Yeah. And Jesus told him, man, I will be with you. Well, the thieves next to I will be with you in heaven this day. Refer to the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 43. Right? Right. Then how was he going to be in the earth three days and three nights? (laughs) You're going to be in the earth three days and three nights, say, it's now Friday. I'll be with you in every Wednesday. <laughs> you can't say I'll be with you in heaven tonight. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm going to be in the world. And then another most important question is if Jesus had resurrected in the form of the Spirit, uh-huh. there would be no reason to move the stone. Refer to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verse 2. Uh-huh. And if he left his impression on a shroud, he would have left it on the stone too. <laughs> Why are they playing these little white lie games with us? Right. You know what they call it? Oh, they call it the greatest story ever told. Yeah. And that's true. Uh-huh. It's the greatest lie they ever told. <laughs> the greatest story ever told is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Mm-hmm. You know what they say, Christianity? The wages of sin are death. Right. Refer to the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23. And man is born of sin. The day you're born, you got to drop dead then. <laughs> if you're born of sin and the wages of sin is death, as soon as you go to war, you're going to drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> I can go on like this, you know. There's so many mistakes they made. Uh-huh. Jesus lied in the Bible. Mm-hmm. After Christians go to go, whoa. <laughs> Come on, but I'll show you. Uh-huh. Jesus met Mary Magdalene in the morning. He had his back to her after the so-called resurrection. And she walked up to him and asked him, Have thou seen the master? And he turned around and said, Behold, thy master. And she said, Master, I thought that thou was a gardener. You know that in the Bible, right? Uh-huh. Refer to the first book of John, chapter 20, verse 7. What did he do after that? Nothing. He just stood there. So she reached out to touch him. And he said, don't touch me yet, because I have not ascended to my father. Mm-hmm. But go tell the disciples I did. <laughs> That's what it says right about him. Uh-huh. Somebody lied. He said, I didn't ascend. The next day she saw him. He said, don't touch me, because I didn't ascend. But go tell my disciples I did. Mm-hmm. Now, why did Jesus have to tell them? That he didn't ascend, but tell him he did if he did. If he had already ascended, he just said, go tell him I ascended, you saw me. Mm-hmm. If he didn't ascend, he just said, I didn't ascend yet. Unless you're afraid of some people saying, I ascend, they mean God. Right. So what Jesus said is, don't touch me. They didn't kill me yet. But don't tell anybody if they did. <laughs> Why? Because if he didn't, the Romans would say, oh, he got away. Right. Let's go get him. 
<laughs> That's why he told them to say that I have offended. And from that statement, they fabricated this whole resurrection thing. And he couldn't even prove to his disciples he was physical. He said, hey, put your hand on my wall see him physical. He crossed the desert with them and broke bread with them, ate with them, and many spirits have to eat. Jesus said, my food is not this world. Angels do not sit down and eat bread unless they come in the form of a man. So Jesus was resurrected in that stage and in the form of a spirit like Paul said he saw him. Then Jesus would not have been eaten in the upper room with his disciples. Where's the food going to go? He's a spirit who dropped on the floor. Refer to the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 41. <laughs> these people make these things up. Uh-huh. They didn't make sense. Uh-huh. I've been spirit eat a sandwich. <laughs> he doesn't have a digestive system, a stomach, the whole thing. The sandwich is matter. He's both the anti-matter. Where is the, what's the whole sandwich? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Because it's so simple. The truth is so simple. It's so clear they're lying. Uh-huh. Oh, you got to use your common sense, and you can see that's the most uncommon thing there is, by the way, common sense. Uh-huh. So if anybody would just sit down and think and read close, all I'm doing is quoting your things written that you can see. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. And I said, again, if Jesus was God, all I want a Christian to tell me is who was he praying to in the garden? And he was God, and he fell on his face and prayed, who was he praying to? His father, and his father was God, and he wasn't. And he's dead, then we started that he's not God, but he's the son of God. Mm-hmm. And it says in the Bible, Adam was the son of God, too. And David was the son of God. Then we started by him saying, our father, and all men are the son of God. So he didn't establish himself as any better than any other man. Mm-hmm. That's when he gets confused. Okay, um, in the book of John, uh, 32 to 34, chapter 10, says, Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou being a man maketh thyself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I say, your gods? If ye call them gods, unto whom the word of a law came, and the scriptures cannot be broken. So is he saying, men are God? Exactly. Jesus is saying, all men are God. Why would he say that? Because of the same thing he is. The Christians understand that the Spirit of God was in Jesus. Right? Now, when you read in Genesis, he says, I blew in command of my Spirit, and man became a living soul. But where is the Spirit of the Lord placed? Into you and me. Don't be looking up in the sky for the spook. It ain't there. The Spirit of the Lord moving with inside of you and outside of you. And through you and around you. But he has given you a portion of divinity so you can recognize it when it comes. But Jesus was moved by the Spirit, full of the Holy Ghost. And everybody here can be full of the Holy Ghost. But you must have your soul restored. That sounds funny. Jesus said that too. You must be redeemed of the dead. Resurrected. You have your soul restored. David mentions that right in the Psalms. 
He made, you know what he says? He restoreth my soul and leadeth me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. A lot of people are moving in the path of righteousness for their own name's sake. You must turn towards the truth for the Lord's name's sake, and he will fill you with the Holy Ghost. Jesus is saying it right there. He pointed out very clearly that man is God incarnated just like himself. But he never called him Elohim. He couldn't call him the divine creator because Jesus said, Now understand this. I want you to pray this way. Right? Our Father who art in heaven. So he didn't make a distinction between man calling himself God and the heavenly Father. You see the difference there? Our Father in the Lord's Prayer, who art in heaven. What did he say about that next? We all know this prayer. What's in the verse? Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed or holy is thy name. Is that his name? Was he talking about himself? He said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Then what did he say? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Not his will. Not Jesus' kingdom. Why is it your witness saying Jesus is coming instead of the kingdom? He didn't say that. He said, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Jesus said. But we got to try to live on earth as if we're in heaven. We got to live without sin to be born again. When Jesus would heal somebody, you know what he would say? Now go and sin no more. We got to bring the heaven to the earth and live on earth as if we are in heaven in order to inherit that kingdom. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Stop storing things. Jesus said to live day by day, because you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. He said, he said, lead us not into temptation. He knew the devil was going to tempt us. Why do you say that two statements out to give us this day our daily bread? Because he knew by what means the devil was going to tempt us. By our work habits. What did Jesus say to his disciples? He walked up to them and said, drop your nets and become fishers of men. These men were fishermen by trade. They lived by fish to support their family. He said, drop your nets and become fishers of men. <laughs> you see that? Stop telling me what you're doing in the world. Tell me what you're not doing in his world. Stop telling me why, why you're not here. And tell me why you don't want to be there on the judgment day. Give us this day our daily bread. Go ahead. What's the next line? Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, and yours is the glory. How long did Jesus say? He said, forever and ever. Amen. And he ended it right there. 
Amen in Hebrew. Amen. So it be true. Now Jesus called the Father our Father, including every man on earth. And he called man God. Because the Spirit of God moves in that man that's saved. He said, just open your mouth if you don't know it. God will speak through you. Jesus said, I am my own accord can do nothing. Don't you see what's happening? The Spirit of God will move in any man. If you open up and let him in, but you must stop sinning. You can't have God moving in you and your sin. Not if a reaper will drink some alcohol in the next day. You have to live in righteousness from the day that you make the commitment to God. Many people are born again and then they fall right back to sleep. The Bible Corinthians says they fall back to sleep. They get born of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit moves on this week and next week they back out in the, the steep establishment. Happens all the time. You got to move and quick when that Spirit grabs you. It's a quickening Spirit. When you feel that Spirit, you got to move right there and say, that's when you got to call out that you acknowledge the presence of the Lord in you. You got to feel that spirit moving in when it's there. That's right, they got hallelujah. Because <laughs> when that spirit moves inside your body, it says hallelujah. Which comes from holy is Jah. Hallelujah. Holy is Yahweh. Holy is He, is what it translates. So when the spirit moves, say, holy is He. <laughs> the spirit has moved me. He restores my soul. He gives me the of righteousness for his name's sake. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever he's been. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, he did refer to man as God. But he also made a very clear distinction between God, Son, and the Heavenly Father. Okay, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or called Elohim, as they translated it, is the heavenly father. All the year of God. Is it not written in your law? I say, yeah, God. Another real important point, another new point in relation to Jesus the Messiah, the Old Testament and the New Testament, is a quote used in Isaiah 53. Have you opened? The Torah, Isaiah 53. You get the, the Hebraic or Judaic, as they refer to it, their interpretation of what the Messiah would be. The actual prophecy used by all of the Christian churches is right here. And they keep saying that this Isaiah 53 is applying to Jesus. I'm quite sure you all heard it. Someone read it out loud and just follow it and see what happens. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. That's the point I want. Okay. Number seven of Isaiah.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.